Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And if you're a fan of Orange is the New Black, you are going to be so excited about today's mama. We are interviewing Danielle Brooks, who is known for her role as Tasty in the popular Netflix show, Orange is the New Black. She is so much fun. She's a mama to her new little girl, Freya, who's about to be a year. And um, Daphne, we we all had like our technical difficulties. There's like a baby crying at some points. That would be mine. I couldn't get on to the Zoom call. And then Danielle is actually in New York City. So you get the, 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 the vibrant noises of New York in the background. We've got trains passing. We had construction on the roof. So bear with us because the conversation, you guys, is really funny at times. It's poignant at times. It is everything we hope Mom Brain can be in terms of three moms getting to have a real raw conversation together. And Danielle is a star in every possible way. She's also, I sh- we should just mention, an accomplished Broadway star, nominated for a Tony Award for her role as Sophia in the 2015 Broadway production of The Color Purple. And most, you know, most recently about to celebrate her for her daughter's first birthday. So here's our chat with Danielle Brooks. Hey, y'all. This is Danielle Brooks, the actress, producer, singer, and I'm a proud mother of my baby girl, Freya. And where can we follow you? And you can follow me on Instagram, DannyBB3. Don't ask me why. That's my name, but that is. And uh, BDannyB on Twitter. So you have a little girl, yeah? Yes. How old is she now? She is 11 months, probably the end of this week. She's just growing up so fast. Oh my god! Oh yeah! It's like just yesterday she started crawling up the steps. I was like, oh, oh fun! Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the girl has eight teeth in her mouth. It's like, what is happening? I feel oh, like that's amazing. We're sending her to college tomorrow. She's growing up so fast. I, the first year, someone did tell me to interview myself like every couple of weeks, just check in and do like a little video interview with yourself because most people are going to forget to actually journal and you're you will. It goes so fast and you forget so much of the experience, especially if you decide to have another one, like you're going to be amazed at how much of the newborn experience you really forget. Mm. But then start interviewing her as soon as you can, like little questions, little blips. And they're just because I keep hoping I'm going to write these funny little things they say down and I never do. And it's so amazing hearing it from their voice. So that's, that's my one piece of like first that. child advice. I will definitely <laughs> make sure to document all of this you're right it moves so quickly and there's so many things that come I was just thinking about that the other day I was like man God just please help me remember those things and I want to remember those laughs and the times that you said this (laughs) or did that or you know all that stuff you want to remember so yeah I'll definitely document it what was your pregnancy like Oh man I, (laughs) I think compared to some women I had a pretty great pregnancy uh, you know, I did have morning sickness the first three months and then it was like all good. I ended up doing Shakespeare in the park till I was, uh, five months pregnant. I think five months pregnant, um, wow. rolling around in the grass. So that was, that was a <laughs> lot of fun. I actually might have been. Seven. What play was it? Um, Much Ado About Nothing. Uh-huh. And I was playing wow. the lead in that. And so. Um, that was, 
an experience trying to be careful and I hurt myself in the park and going up all this these wooden steps and you know contraptions and things like that trying to be safe um uh, so it was cool to work and be pregnant and then after that I was like no more work pregnancy I'm just gonna <laughs> enjoy this eat everything <laughs> I ate everything under the sun what was the best craving what what were you giving into more than anything else if there was a food called everything, everything. <laughs> I mean, my like awesome. was mango. Mm. I really loved mango, and at first, I really wanted pistachios, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Yeah, no more." Like, my body just shut it down. No, no more. Um, but yeah, so after that. Um, you know, I had all my doctor's appointments and my doctor is really great, but she kept talking to me about uh, the possibility of preeclampsia. And I was like, I, I don't claim it. And every time I would go to the doctor, I had no issues with high blood pressure or uh, sugar spikes or anything like that. But she just kept bringing that up. And I, you know, had a doula with me, which was great. My fiance was wonderful. But I realized, like, you really do have to advocate for yourself and make sure that, you know, you kind like, yes, there's all this advice coming and there's these people, they know what the heck they're doing, but you Mm -hmm. also know your body. And um, I kind of had to have like a little one-on-one with the doctor and talk to her and say, hey, like, I feel like you're negatively speaking (laughs) this on me. Like, you keep talking about a problem that's not even a problem. And I got it the first time you said it. And so I was like, can we just like not, if, if unless it becomes a thing and I actually have preeclampsia, like can we stop with it? Because there's nothing that's showing that I, I have it. And so um, that finally stopped. And then what I realized was some doctors have their own agendas. And she was wanting me to get a C-section so that it aligned with her own personal plans and um when i ended up giving birth i ended up having another doctor because it didn't align with her schedule um which was fine and i wish i had her but i'm actually glad i didn't because the push for the c-section was so much that Mm -hmm. i would not have listened to the doctor who actually delivered my child when she said now you actually have to have an emergency c-section I would have been like, girl, no, you've been pushing this forever. I'm not doing this. But because it was coming from someone else, I was able to receive it. And thank God I did because Freya ended up having, um, uh, she pooped in the amniotic sac. I always, I always forget uh, the meconium. Yeah, meconium. exactly. And um, so it could have went left. Uh, so everything, you know, ended up working out just how it was supposed to. Um, you know, it was a little scary. It did feel like an episode of ER at one point where I then had to tell the doctor again and not the next doctor. I said, ma'am, because because at one point Freya's heart rate just kind of dropped and, and, and it, it was like. That's so scary. No? It was very scary. And she called it flatlining. She legit oh, said gosh. She's flatlining. And when what? you hear flatlining. What you think, you know? <laughs> so I said, Not good. change that to chilling. Like the heart rate's just chilling. 
because she was saying there was no activity. So when there's no activity, they call it flatline. So I was like, and she did. She's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to say that the baby's just chilling. And right now we need her heart rate to start to go faster. So we're going to hold you. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of really tried to take control of what we were manifesting um, yeah. because it is so scary. You know, as y'all, you know, you go through all these things in your body is shaking and you're cold and yeah. you got at one point they literally had like 10 people rush in the room and throw a um oxygen mask on me and and i put something in my arm and but nobody was telling me what was happening right and i immediately started to sing and pray um you know and they're like can you keep the oxygen mask on and i'm So I just feel like it's, it really is life or death, motherhood, stepping into mm-hmm. it, but you, it's, you can do it, you know? And I just want women to know, like, just to remember to advocate for themselves, you know, or at least have That's an important good. message. No, thank <laughs> you for that. That's an important, that's an important message. How was your, how was your recovery afterward? Then once, once she was out and she was fine, Girl. how are you? Um... <laughs> I had to do the eight weeks of recovery, which was challenging because I feel like, I don't know if you all experienced this. I'd be curious if you have, like your partner doesn't quite understand after a while. They're like, you really can't lift that box. You really can't go up these steps. And you're like, no, really, I need you to do this. Um, and so I think that was a little challenge of always kind of feeling needy and, mm-hmm. but really in need. Yeah. And so, which is a difference. That's a really important distinction, actually. It's not you're not requiring it just for validation or something like that. You, you really need support, especially that those first couple weeks are just really brutal. First couple months are just brutal. You or know? years, yeah. You know, years. First couple, years. first couple decades are <laughs> really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember stepping into the uh, stepping into the bathroom the first time, thinking getting off the table right after, you know, like the next day after pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Thinking, oh, I got this. I'm fine. I got Your legs are bed. like, you're dizzy. Yeah, it's like, what is happening? Yeah. Oh, like, you really feel like you got hit by <laughs> a 16-wheeler truck. Like, it's a real deal. Um, oh, yeah. It, it is, you know, it, it's almost the equivalent of that. And so, yeah, I was tough. Um, You know, and but then it's all the mental stuff, too as y'all know and yeah it's so great that you know you all have this show um because women you know we need to talk to each other and hear these stories you know and and so yeah i um i had a tough time mentally because i had gained a lot of weight too and i had you know branded myself in this in hollywood whatever you want to call it in this world is, you know, body positivity person. And I've always lived by, you know, um, be loving to the person that you are now. Like, y- y- your body can fluctuate, but always love mm-hmm. the person that you are in this moment. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to live by after gaining 60 pounds. And so, um, 
it was it was tough on figuring out like how the hell am I gonna get this back? Because <laughs> uh, I you know ran Spartan races and just was wow. very uh, athletic even in the size two hundred pounds that I was. Um, I was very athletic and I loved you know doing exercise stuff. And so um, that was gone. I had spent like a little less than a year not doing that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, adjusting and not beating myself up. Um, and I actually feel like quarantine really helped with that because I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't forced into going to red carpets right away. That's actually very true. Yeah. It's like you gave you permission to have your own pace and to not feel like artificial pressure that was going to rock your mental resilience and stability before you even got the physical stuff back on track. It's been a roller coaster. Um, and I think I did go through a bit of a postpartum for sure. Um, you know, and luckily I felt like I had women around me to talk to which was really important that we're in the industry and that we're not in the industry. Just having somebody to vent about, oh, I got to get up one more time in the middle of the night or, you know, just those little things, having someone to talk to. And I also went to therapy and, and, and talked to my therapist about everything that I was um, experiencing. And uh, when I was in the pandemic, I actually was stuck at my mom's house for four months. So that actually was very helpful. Helpful, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, More so just in understanding motherhood and like Mm. the different stages that I will go through. But um, just being reminded that, you know, my mom was, she didn't have the luxury of a lot of the things that I've been able to have with Freya. You know, my grandma, they were out here doing it on their own with multiple, multiple kids, you know, six, seven, eight kids, you know, and, and, and making it work. Um, and so it just kind of put things, puts a lot of things in perspective on just how powerful and incredible we are as women and what we are mm-hmm. capable of doing. No man can do, literally. So uh, that's been the that's been the. <laughs> A lot of discovery, you know. You bring up a really good point, and I love I love the distinction that you guys made of you know needy versus you know in need. But I remember like when I first became a mom, and I'm like looking over my shoulder, I'm like, oh, I have I'm the adult now, <laughs> like I'm responsible for this, and it's it's frightening, you know. Even going into the pandemic, it's like, oh my god, I have to be the one to make the rules of how we're going to live safely through this, and and it's a lot. And to be able to also say, though, that that's what I love about, you know, mom brain and, you know, my girlfriends and, um, you know, even being able to say to my partner, hey, you know what? It's actually OK if I'm not all together right now. You know, and my husband is, you know, maybe similar to to your partner in terms of like, you know, I I'll be like, he'll, he'll be like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep well last night. And I look at him. You and do like, not want to hear it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, do you want to feed this thing all night? Here you go. Yeah. yeah. He can sleep like a rock and I am sleep light as a bird, a feather, whatever. And I hear every little sound. And he can sleep through anything. So that's, you know, challenging too, because with the baby, you know that you're the one who has to, you know, ultimately take the responsibility on the most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, 
I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I think the, as far as working, being a working mom. Here's the train again. New York. Um, <laughs> 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 I feel like drink every time you hear me say New York. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know what? I love it. I miss it. I miss it so That's much. one thing that used to get me through when I was nervous about having Korea. I would look out and I'd love go to theater a lot. Love theater and look out a restaurant, wherever. And I'd be like, every last one of y'all had to come out of a woman. And That's exactly what I did. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That is what I did. Out of somebody's hoo-ha. So right. I'm going to be all right. So I can do this. I was not the first person to. I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, God, she's got to come out. Some, and I'd be like, you were a baby and you were a baby and you were a baby and you were a baby. So let's, I can handle this. That's exactly what I, what I thought. <laughs> when I was working, it was um, the best thing because it was the first time I didn't give two Fs. I do not care about if I flubbed the line or Right. If, if I fail or anything, I didn't care. Well, I didn't care about falling. I didn't want to hurt myself. But, you know, I just didn't care what anyone thought because I was in creating a whole human inside of me. You couldn't tell me nothing. Yeah, right. And that yeah. was like, I just, I feel like that was the beginning stages of feeling like my daughter is about to teach me a plethora of lessons and I cannot wait. Um, because this first lesson of like nobody matters but you and your family when it comes to those things it's like that was the best gift that was the best gift um I'm so curious though because you know Freya must have been you know barely six months at or not even four months at the start of the you know all of us going into shelter at home and everything and that's you know, it's already a time that, um, that, you know, you're just being released from the sort of like postpartum phase. You're just maybe starting to get back out and to, you know, go to dinners or see friends or whatever. And then you're sent back home. Like what, what was that like for you? What, how did, how has quarantine been for you guys? It's been so, it's just been a lot of levels to it. Cause I, right when quarantine was starting, I had, was in Atlanta to do a new job. And so um, I was really excited about getting get, getting back to work and just had fittings and all this stuff. And the next day they were like, nope, cancel. Oh. And I didn't know what this really was. was. I kind of thought, you know, oh, they just control us. Until I realized, oh, no, people out here dying. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we ended up, that's what brought us to South Carolina, staying at my mom's house for so long. Got it. And um, and yeah, it was like I, I, it was the best gift because she was able to be out in nature, went to the park every day. You know, she was around grandma, so she's getting spoiled by the family. And, <laughs> um, I, that's just the way I wanted to raise her anyway, and so it actually made us really consider moving. And so we're we're in in th- thinking about um, moving back to the south getting that slow pace, you know, back at country life that I miss so much. Um, Do you miss it? Oh, hell yeah. I miss it. I mean, I think once I had Freya, that's what made me say, I I think it's time for me to bounce out of Brooklyn because I've been in New York for 13 years. Mm -hmm. And um, my dad always jokes, he's like, you spent more time in New York than you have since you grew up. And so, um, you know, I, I, it's easy when you're single or 
dating. But when you're a parent, yeah, it's too much work. I mean, having to move the cars, because uh, we have alternate side parking. You got to move the cars. It's just like getting a stroller up without, you know, an elevator <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's just too much. You're not having a garage to put the stroller. It's too much. And it's unnecessary. Unnecessary. <laughs> so I just want convenience. And I want, you know, just fresh air and no noise where I can do, you know, this show with you all and not have all these trains and trams. So are you planning on going back to work anytime soon or is like, I mean, I'm actually going back Sunday. Uh, we're oh. traveling to Canada to shoot the Mahalia Jackson movie for Lifetime. Oh, amazing. So I'm going to do that. And free is coming. And that's been a whole thing with the packing and overpacking and trying to get the diapers and the wipes and the this and the that being that we're in quarantine right. still, we have to quarantine for two weeks once we get there. And so um, going back to the whole quarantine situation um, with the baby, it's been challenging, especially I think the hardest part is that we've been really going through two pandemics and mm -hmm. one is the obvious and then we're going through this racial crisis right now and um, experiencing that as a mother now because we've definitely been going through it for years, um, you know, in my lifetime anyway. <clears throat> it's been an experience that I didn't think I was going to have that my, you know, my grandparents had and my mom experienced and all that stuff. But now here we are in 2020 still dealing with this stuff. And now I have a kid. Right. That was my biggest concern before having her was I didn't want children because I was nervous about bringing a black child into this world. And here we are. And I've, I've made this choice to have her and I'm starting to lose hope, you know, and um, it took me a minute to try to find hope again. And um, I think the thing that gives me the um, will to continue to say we're going to be okay is her. Like, I feel like we have a responsibility to pour into our child what love should be towards people that aren't like us, don't look like us, don't live like us. We have a responsibility to share with them what that is. And so um, that gave me actually hope. It was like, okay, there's going to be another generation um, that is going to hopefully do better than we have. And so um, that was a part of the pandemic that really hit. And I actually took her um, on a protest with me uh, when I was in South Carolina. He <laughs> tried to put sunscreen on the girl. <laughs> got all these like blue streaks all over. Um, I'm like, we going out there, baby. We going out there to march. You don't look blue, but you going to be out there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we did that, and and it, you know, it's thing that the thing too is like people you know get nervous because you don't know what the outcome will be, and you just as a mom know, okay, it's, this is the time that maybe we should bow out you know, and leave. And so we left after maybe an hour or so, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely planning on raising her and knowing 
how to fight and um that she doesn't have to accept what people tell her she is supposed to or or you know to, when they try to tell her who she is and what her worth is and so um that's been a part of my pandemic as well it's been like I want people ask me that like well you're you have so many kids sometimes my husband also gets he's like what world have we brought our children into how sad is this? Yeah. And I always say to him, I said, yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, keep me up at night and, you know, make me cry. But then I always come back to the idea that that we are shaping the future in the best possible way by creating good people, good people, strong values, not afraid to speak up for what is right, stand up for other people, for themselves, for the planet, for absolutely everything in order to, you know, let the human race go in a good direction rather than um, the the very not so great direction that this is mm-hmm. 2020. Mm-hmm. But um, how, do you have do you sort of think about how you're going to have these conversations with her as she gets older? Oh, yeah, I think about it. And I think some things start to be instinctual. Like at, f- at first I'm like, cause I'm such a Virgo. So I'm like, I need to watch everything. I need to, you know, <laughs> I need to read everything, read everything. plan and everything, every book, believe me. And it's like, <laughs> I gotta do all this stuff. And, and then you realize like, it's going to come like yesterday I was watching and I try not to watch cause I'm a big person on like manifesting. So I was like, I don't really like watching this stuff, but I was watching this uh, story, investigation story of a young boy getting kidnapped back in the day. And um, I don't, I just, it, it gets me, you know? And so I'm watching it. I'm thinking, I got to tell my kid, like, you know, I got to teach her how to fight and, or at least stand up for herself. And I got to teach her that, you know, kick somebody in the balls if you get to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever you can reach. I'm like, you cannot be a victim of this. And it, and it's so a part of me feels like whenever these things come up, you know, when it comes to race or when it comes to protecting ourselves uh, uh, with predators and whatever, it's like you instinctually figure out the right way to talk to your child and the right time to talk to her. So. I think that's that's what I'm I'm leaning on right now. And again, like the tribal thing of having your your girls and your 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 family um, to talk to and ask moms, ask them like, what did you say? What did you you know? Right. What was your experience? You know? Yeah, I'm curious. Have y'all been able to talk to your kids about the whole? Yeah, I mean, what as this whole thing started, one of the most important things um, that I learned was because I live in the New York bubble. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like one of the most, you know, liberal kumbaya, everybody all together, peace and love people out there. But one mistake that I was making was I wasn't addressing the issue. So one thing I learned from this whole thing was you can't raise your kids to be colorblind. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. color is an issue just like, you know, one of my, my daughter, you know, that the kid are going to notice that my daughter wears glasses or that this person has curly hair, or this person, that this, and then all the stuff that comes with that, obviously it's a bigger issue, but the fact that I'm dumbing it down for the fact, what was explained to me, that kids see what mm-hmm. you look like. There's a certain age where all of a sudden people see 
every single detail about you. And I wanted it. I wanted to just like, okay, let's just not, let's just think about the inside of a person. Whereas what I was taught to me is it is actually important to say, yeah, this person has black skin. This person has white skin. This person is from China and this person is from Korea and we are all completely different. And yes, underneath we all have, you know, we need to have the same rights and this and that, but it's okay to talk about this and see, because, you know, I was almost afraid to approach the subject because I didn't want to create a divide. Well, I also think when we were kids growing up, that was like status quo, was just like you don't reference, you never acknowledge, you don't see anyone's differences. And I think what was, we had a great interview here on the podcast with um, Dr. and Louise Lockhart, and she just like opened, our, she opened my eyes to a couple of things, two things that I think really stand out and that have like played a big role for for me and my parenting Number one was she was like, kids learn through play. They always have that. They're representational. Like even, I mean, it's, it's, they're telling stories and they're learning with their playtime. And so making sure that your home includes books and dolls and opportunities Mm -hmm. to interact with (laughs) things that, that aren't exactly the way they look when they look in the mirror. You know, I mean, that's, that was, it was interestingly always part of our stuff anyway, because because we just, we have always had those things, but it was more impactful to me to realize how valuable those items were. And, um, and they seem so not, they seem so like unimportant and trivial, but they actually really start to cultivate this brain and this awareness of the world in young kids. I mean, our kids are all really little, so it's a different world. If you have teenagers, et cetera, contending with their sets of issues, but for our age kids, it's the, it's the perfect beginning of understanding that the world is full of every color and every range of identity and every possible background and and that that makes us the humans that we are, you know? So I thought that was really interesting. Another thing she said, and like, I don't want to paraphrase her because whatever, well, her, that episode was really great and, and she did a really good job of explaining this, but she is um, West Indian by descent. And she was like, you know, I came to this country when I was I guess going to college and she was like, when I was growing up, I didn't have the same baggage of like feeling that my potential was limited because of what I looked like. Cause in the West Indies, it wasn't like that. Like I was expected to be a scientist and a doctor, like everything that I wanted to be, I was going to be. And then I came to the U S and like, suddenly I was confronting friends who had grown up with a totally different understanding of what their world was going to look like. But I think planting those seeds early on is just going to help to craft them to be people who are going to take this next generation in the right direction and hopefully right a lot of really bad wrongs that I think so many of us who live in a privileged, much more, you know, New York, Manhattan, even, you know, Brooklyn, I know everything in in New York City is changing right now. But, you know, when we left it in March, it's a very, you know, everybody, we all live together and on top of each other. You know, I mean, it just it's when we are a step out Mm -hmm. of that bubble, Mm -hmm. not everybody is going to be as open minded as we are. And we have to be prepared to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Hopefully between the 10 that we've created, at least one of them will change the world. No, (laughs) all of them. them. Talk to us about your daughter's name. I love it. Oh, free. Uh, yes, free. So, um, okay. So my, I'm Danielle, uh, clearly, but my partner, my fiance's name is Dennis. And so, um, all of my siblings, his siblings, my dad are, have D names and oh, we actually funny. wanted to do the D name thing and keep that going as a tradition. 
and nothing was sticking. We had like our list and we would do like, okay, on the count of three. Daphne. Say yeah. <laughs> we, would say our, we would say our names and we would never hit each other's name. It, I would say Diora and he would say Daphne. You know, we just never got it together. And so, um, you know, one of the things I'm, I, I just like names that have some meaning. And so, um, he had actually brought up, what about free? He's like, if we open the box, what about free? And I was like, Ooh, I like that. Cause I had ran into this young kid on, um, on an ele- elevator in LA and I asked him his name uh, and he said his name was chosen. And that just hit me. I was like, I love wow. that. That's, and so I was like, oh yeah, what about free, Freya, Freya? And and so we came up with Freya. So we started looking up Freya, and and we found out it was this like goddess who, of course, means like beauty and love and war and all the things. And um, so it, it just made sense. It was like, okay, at least when you look it up, it's nothing crazy. We can rock with that, <laughs> and we have our own meaning of being free, being black folk, and being free and what that means to us and what we, whenever, you know, someone says her name, she will always be reminded that she is free. And so that to me, um, you know, just being liberated every time you hear that is good, but it is not good when you got to tell her no. (laughs) You're like, you know, you named the child free and you want her to be free, but you're like, girl, if you don't sit down, Stop putting it in your mouth. Stop putting it around. Stay yeah. in your room. Yes. I'm like, I hope I don't regret it. Wait, one day oh. she, you're going to be like, you're grounded. She's going to be like, wait a second. I'm wait. free, actually. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm so curious about what you said about wanting to maybe make the move back to South Carolina. Was that, so was that where you grew up, South Carolina? Yeah, I grew up in South Carolina, but we're actually thinking about moving to Atlanta. So, uh, okay, so still cosmopolitans. Yeah, because yeah. you can you can work you can work a lot in Atlanta. Yes, right? I mean, that's exactly. Like I can everything. work a lot close to the parents, and it's just a good mixture of everything. What's like, what was the best? I mean, I love, I was reading about your history a little bit and both your parents are, you know, one's a, one's a deacon, one was a minister, I think it was. And so clearly a very, you know, religious background, probably a beautiful community there. But I'm so curious what the like, what are like the best parts of growing up the way that you grew up? Oh man, I think we spent every second in church. <laughs> Did you? Yes. <laughs> You're and there all the time. In a way that was like, overbearing it wasn't like you know every second they were trying to beat god in us it didn't feel like that but because my parents had moved from where they grew up which was memphis and arkansas we didn't grow up around family it was just Mm -hmm. me my brother my parents and so uh the church family really became our family so being able to go to church every day for choir rehearsal usher board meetings bible study whatever it was, it just felt like he was around family all the time. And so I just really appreciated that. And like, that's where my first love for acting came because I did a church play um, uh, at six years old. And and, um, so they always found getting me in the oratorical contests or, you know, singing the, the, the solo at church. So they just always kept encouraging us to use our potential, you know? Um, and so, yeah, just, I, I loved, I love that about it. And, 
I ended up always kind of switching schools, middle schools and high schools in the sense of like going to a regular middle school. And then my mom would find a magnet school for me to go to and then went to a regular high school. And then she found a, um, uh, a governor school for me to go to a boarding school for me to go to. So I always kind of was met with two worlds. I was kind of had to learn how to maneuver and fit into any kind of situation because of that. So I got to meet different people. And being that I went to that art art school where we lived on campus and I graduated in the class of 99. So it was very small group. I was um, exposed to People live differently than I do. That was my first introduction was high school because, you know, in the South, everybody do the same thing where I grew up. Everybody do the same thing. You probably going to get married at a young age, you know, to your sweetheart or somebody like that. You all go to the same church. Everybody, you know, it's just everything was kind of done the same way. But when mm-hmm. I went to this high school, I mean, the it was every, every different walk of life, you know? And um, I just remember one of my classmates who said he had a nanny. And I was like, you got a nanny? Somebody come in your house and find your mama and watch you. What you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, jaw on the, th- on the floor. I was really like, what's happening? Uh, because that just was not my world. My mom woke mm-hmm. us up at seven in the morning with gospel music Saturdays to clean that house up, get a toothbrush and scrub the, you know, bottom of the, the, the in, the in between the tiles. Yes. Yeah. That's what, that's how I grew up. So I'm like, somebody came and raised you. What? But now, of course, I have a nanny. Totally get it. Need it. Understand it. <laughs> Go mom for having one. Um, so, like, I just, I was, it was, it was great experience growing up in the South um, and just always having people to look out for you, um, you know, in a smaller community and, and not mm-hmm. running into somebody pissing on a train you know, and those things. There's beauty in, right. in, in all different worlds. But um, I, I just rather go back to that kind of living where you have I to say you. yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. I, I like I that. love that. I, I also think it's such a like, I mean, you talked about when you when you were living at your mom's and and you you were like for the first time confronted having just had your own and your first that she raised a bunch of kids and your grandma raised a bunch of kids without like the amenities and the help and the just even like the facility that we have now, you know, and, um, it always, my grandma has six kids. It always makes me want to know, like, how did you get, how, I guess kids are just really flexible and they get used to whatever their reality is. Mm -hmm. But the idea of just having that level of regimen and that level of like kids who are (laughs) respectful and responsible and they get up at 7am on Saturday and scrub the grout with the toothbrush like that is, (laughs) but it's also your, but what you said is so true too. And I think ultimately it's part of what is like one of the most fundamental drivers of humans ever is you do want to fit in. You do want to be part of a community. You do want to be part of the family, like whether your family is your nuclear family or the bigger family. And it's, and you, that's your way of giving back. That's like your, 
you know, that's your way to appreciate all the things your parents do for you too. And I, I really, it's, it's one of the most important things for me to try to figure out, to make sure that it's a priority for our kids as they get older too. Cause I think it's, it also makes like better humans, happier kids, happier families. Mm-hmm. Like the whole thing. In the backyard, you know? Yeah. Running yeah. Around and, and actually truly getting to go to your neighbors and say, can I borrow some sugar? That's probably mm-hmm. going to be the first thing I do. When I move, <laughs> I ain't going to need sugar. I'm just going to oh, I don't know what I'm who's thinking, around you. please get me some sugar. <laughs> Make sure you know that Danielle's coming and she needs you to have sugar, milk, eggs, whatever we need. <laughs> I have a question for you all, though. So Daphne gave me advice, um, you know, the documenting. But what would be the, the advice that you would give to me as Freya hits one in a month? Um... I would say, trying to remember back to this, although I have a one year, I have a 13 month old, um, trying to remember like the first time, because it's different when you have multiples, because it's harder to like keep track of everything. But I would say, I want to hear what you're going to say, baby, but we're also trying to figure out what to do about her birthday. And yes. Quarantine and- yes. You know what you, the first birthday is for you. Oh, because they don't remember it. Okay. And I obsessed about her birthday. And again, my thing was like, I saw her go from 12 months to 18 till never speaking for me. For some reason, we were going to have like this huge big riff and she was never going to speak to me again. (laughs) I don't know. I was like, and I literally would wake up crying every day before she was a a year old because I was like, oh my God, she's growing up. And um, and then I proceeded to have four more children very quickly after that. And see, then I get to do the first birthday over and over again. But it is very emotional that that one. I think always remember that they're really little. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause they look so big and like, we're always like, oh my God, the baby's so big now. Even, you know, even with him, you know, I was talking, I was talking with Cal, our producer before, and he's like, oh, he's so little. I'm like, he's so much bigger than he was a couple weeks ago when he just came mm-hmm. out, you know? Mm-hmm. And I look back at photos a year ago when my kids were one year before, two years before, and I thought they looked so big then and they're such baby faces. Mm-hmm. So like, just like, just enjoy that they're like little. And then also realize, then don't get so sad because it gets better and better. They say that, but it does. Like, I you just mean? stopped breastfeeding, and that's been a whole uh, <gasps> How do you feel about that? I feel good. I feel like I'm starting to have my body back. It's like mine right. now. Mm-hmm. But I also miss the connection. I miss just mm-hmm. connecting with her in that way. What I was afraid of, so my doctor told me, he said, you should probably stop breastfeeding her. And she was like, I don't know, 14, 15 months or something like that. So she like had her, she had her time, but I just continued on because I just like, I don't really know what to do. I'm just going to continue to do what I did the day before, which was breastfeed. And so I tried to like actively wean her and I felt like I wasn't going to be needed anymore. And I just was like, well, now what's the difference between me and my husband? Like we can both feed her now. And then I realized that she connected with me in different ways. That she wanted to hug me not because she wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. She wanted to hug me because she wanted to hug me. And that I was always going to be her mommy. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, even to this, I mean, she comes in here because she wants, like, she wants to hang out. And she, like, slowly comes in. She would <laughs> love, she can't hear you because I've got the headphones in. But she would be, like, sitting down and be like, let's talk. Let me give you my parenting <laughs> advice. Yes. You know? So, no, just, just always realize that, like, there's still so little birthday party for you. You figure out what you want. She's not going to remember. She's not going to care. It's so true. Although I will say um, it is one of those things where it, it is it is a thousand percent for you. She will not remember it. You should still make a smash cake, even if it's like mm. you and your Duncan Hines box and just whatever, because it is 
one like the greatest pictures, the best memories. It's so much fun to see them experience like sugar for the first time. And they most of them don't even really like it, but they just get like messy and crazy. Um, take all the pictures. The 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 point is, I would say advice for the first year now that you're in this, now this is the new milestone. Still take pictures whenever you can. I would say don't take anything personally. Like I feel like people will give you advice. They've always given you advice, but they'll like give you advice now about other things like milestones and like, this is what you should be doing, especially in the era of COVID as a first time mom. Like they're going to be like, here's what you should be doing with your baby because they're not in class or they're not in school or whatever. And all of it's well-meaning and some of it may even be right, but like it's, it's ultimately not really about you that they're sharing that information. It's really mm-hmm. about them, you know? And mm-hmm. so you just have to take what you want and put the rest of it aside and know that it's not yeah. about you. And also you can't take it personally on those days when maybe Freya wants to hang with her daddy or like, you know, does have- I those- will not take it personally. <laughs> go. <laughs> go, go, he needs you. But it's like, you will find so many ways to bond with your children. Breastfeeding is the beginning or not. Like just having any bonding experience is the beginning. But from those first few weeks, like you just, every single day, you're just like building those relationships, building those, building those, um, those sort of fundamentals of your interactions. And I, as she gets older and she gets more verbal and she gets more aware, like, you're going to have a million ways to bond with her. So don't, I, you know, I, I remember taking it very personally when she like reached for daddy or when she wanted to be over there and that, you know, you just can't take it personal. She's going to be your best girlfriend, but yeah, no, the, with the advice thing too, people, I mean, they want to share because it's their, their own experience that they're, but, and sometimes it's really helpful. I love advice, but at the same time, like, it's good to know, like, does that, you're the boss, you're the mommy, you're the boss, it's your kid, it's your, your enterprise, you get to, you get to decide what happens. Well, Um, I love getting advice because I'm nosy and like, I love knowing like what worked for other people and like what makes, (laughs) what made good sense to you. And like, I will never forget, I, I remember this like one random lady in a store I was shopping at, like, like a home goods store. It was not a baby store. It was nothing to do with children. And uh, we were talking about, I just had Philomena, who's my oldest, who's six. And she was like, just make, there's only one piece of advice. I had three kids. This is the only thing that like, I make sure to tell all the new moms that I see, like, make sure you stop giving them a bottle at one. And I was like, really? And she was like, yes, because they, they get like more attached and they get more aware of what's being taken away from them after one. Like they get, it's, it's more painful for them to have it removed after that point, where if you take it away at one, they're like, they don't know any better. They get used to the sippy cup. And then it's like, you're, then you're not stuck having the fight of the wean. Like, it's like when you're trying to wean a baby at two or three, it's like, they're much, they know what's being deprived of them, you know? So anyway, I just, I feel like it was, it was more, again, it was more insight into her life and like her kids and how fast she'd had them right. going back to work and what it was like raising kids in the sixties and like all this stuff. But it was something that I remember. And I, and I, that's, I mean, that is the point. Sorry, we're, this is also mom brain. We do this, like our train moves like this all the time. But the whole value of these conversations are like motherhood is challenging in very similar ways for everybody pretty much. But it's the, the, the details of those challenges and the way you deal with them are so different and so specific. And I feel like we're always learning. I feel like we're always just getting some new cool piece of info. And each kid is different. Do you think you'll have more or is it like too soon to ask that question? Yeah. 
The world wants me to have more. I don't know. I got, I got to get the movement. I can't, I got work to do. <laughs> but I don't know. When just, I see I, you with your baby, I definitely want to know. I know. Uh, it's just this delicious age. But then they turn, oh, the other thing is three is hard. Two and two, they talk about two. I feel like Freya is a two-year-old trapped in an 11-month-old body. Maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe she'll go through it all early, you know, like before she's really mobile. <laughs> that was the hardest thing in the hospital. There was too many opinions. I rem- I would never forget. We were in the hospital and somebody took free off my chest and was like, you, you got to let her be her own. You know, you don't want her to get too attached. So like, we're going to put her back in she's the new? crib. <laughs> yeah, new, new baby. We, we're going to put her back in the crib. So that she can like learn to be by herself. Some crap like that, right? I'm huh. paraphrasing. Something like that. The next thing you know, the ner- another nurse comes in the room and puts the baby back <laughs> on my chest. Like it was too many opinions on what to mm. do. Mm-hmm. But so, you know that yeah. after the first year, like exa- if if you took that one day by example. Three months later, you would never you like whatever side of that opinion you landed on, like you would know a hundred percent. And I, I feel like that's you. You've been through one year, which is in some ways like all the years. Like every you learn something new, you try something new, it doesn't work. You try something new, it doesn't work. You try something new, it works. Like that's and I think that's don't yeah you, like be the one one thing that gave me a lot of comfort because I think that sometimes you question like are you doing it right? Are you are you parenting your child the way they need to be parented. Like, cause you know, as Larry said, every child is different, all these things. And the one thing that gives me great comfort is like, you have the potential to be the perfect parent for your child. Like the things that she needs, cause she came from you. Like she has needs that you had as a kid. She has like, you have that potential and you just have to like lean into that yeah. and relax and let that happen. You know? I love motherhood. I yeah. Love motherhood. <laughs> It'll teach you more about yourself than anything else. That's that's, what's really crazy. That's what I like about it, though, is because you do learn so much about yourself, what you're capable of doing, you know, what you won't accept, what you do accept, like how much you can handle, Mm. you know, when your snapping point is. It's just it's been it's been great. It's been great. It puts it all into perspective. Exactly. Yeah. And and we like to ask our guests to share their favorite things. Like, what's your what's your favorite thing right now? So I bought this. I asked my mom for this for Christmas. It's called Be You, Do You, For You from La Mer. Yes. And the, um, the Instagram is T-H-E dot L-A-M-A-R-E, La Mer, the La Mer dot com. And basically, they're just like, little quotes for you to live by for the day. So I put one on my fridge every morning that's different. So the one today says, my world is a reflection of my thinking. And then um, this is another one. One, I find love everywhere I go. It's all around. So I just put these up in that house, you know, just to live by it for the day, give me good positive feelings and affirmations and all of that. So I would share this. Today. I love it. That's How really perfect. <laughs> That's a good one. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you, ladies. This was amazing. Thank you. This is a fact. So that was our conversation with Danielle. And I, I have to say, you know, we have so many great conversations here on the podcast, but some of the most memorable episodes for me are the ones where I really, it just feels like girlfriends chatting. It feels like you just get to kind of 
air it all out and talk and and get ideas and be real about the things that you're thinking about and that you're you know struggling with or contending with. And I, I just I loved hearing about her first year of motherhood. Thinking back to what that's like because it's four babies back for me and and five for you, Lar. It feels it's really exciting to get to um, to get to hear someone's viewpoint from everything is brand new and we're just getting to that first year milestone and what, what's it going to look like from here? Um, and I really loved hearing about her thoughts on maybe, maybe moving back to, you know, to, to South Carolina or Atlanta, I should say, and, and experiencing a bit of that slower pace of life and what that could look like for her family. Cause it's something, you know, we've, we've lived in New York for 10 years. We've been back and forth to Florida. We're down to Florida again. Now we've been out in LA. It's, you know, we, we've, we've had a, a, a variety of sort of pace of living in my family and, it's really interesting. Like, like I think she said, maybe you said it, there is a, there is value and there's beauty in all the different versions of where you raise your kids and where you, where your family sets up shop. But there, um, there's something really beautiful about that's what she described it. And she sort of gave us a, it gave us that little viewpoint into how she grew up that really like everybody knows your name. Everybody looks out for each other. Um, no, she was fantastic. And so um, it brings me back to Daphne, why we wanted to create this podcast, which was let's put all our heads together and let's just like figure this out and just had that girlfriend chat. That's really what we had envisioned for this when we were just two girl, not not co-workers like we are now, but just two girlfriends like chatting in my backyard and right. being like, hey, let's let's create something where, you know, let's take this chat um, into a, a bigger a bigger place where we can put all of our heads together. So, no, this was a really special thing. And I'm so grateful for her for sharing her time and her experience, her laughter and and some very deep thoughts about how we can make this a better place. And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite thing. Yes. Um, you know, it's not my favorite thing, Ilaria. Tell me. Pimples. What the hell? I'm too freaking those. old for pimples. Hey, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I get more as an adult than I did um, as a teenager. Uh, my favorite thing this week is going to be the Loom Stress Detox Enzymatic Cleanser. So you guys know, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, that I um, am actually a co-owner of this brand because I love it so much. So full disclosure, I do love it and I am a co-owner and I am their chief luminary. But um, the reason I love this product is Loom is all about, It's first of all, it's cruelty-free, it's vegan, it lives up to the highest cleanliness standards set by the US and the EU, all of which was super, super important to me. Um, and you know, I've been, I've been given opportunities to work with uh, skincare brands in the past, and I never wanted to be part of something that I felt was just like more noise in a crowded landscape of redundant products. And what's so novel and cool about Loom is and it's L-O-U-M, by the way, because sometimes people are like, what is that? Yeah, um, I didn't know. I was like, oh, is it yeah, Loom? No, no. Loom? No, it's Loom, like like the Loom that you weave, you know, fabric oh. and strong, tight-knit, protective elements together on. So that was the idea. It's about weaving together mind, body, and spirit to create this really resilient, glowy, um, comfortable skin, getting your skin back to equilibrium and undoing the effects of stress on skin primarily. That's the whole focus of the line, which I think we all are intimately aware of. But the reason I, I lo I'm loving this detox cleanser is I have pretty sensitive skin and like on the drier side, and I can't deal with like lots of harsh surfactants. I can't deal with, um, you know, really harsh stripping of any kind. And I don't typically have like pimples and acne. So I don't do like strong, strong cleansers a lot. But when I do, I want it to be gentle and effective. And this, th 
this uses um, a variety of natural enzymes to like dive deep into pores, gently clean them all out. You can feel it getting a little cool as it's cleaning everything out and then you just rinse it off. It's really fast to use. It is really gentle and it really works. I had this, I put it on my stories last night because I had this pimple come out of nowhere and I was like, get off my face. I used it last night. It's almost gone. I bet one more night is all I need. But it, the reality is I'm also that like crazy OCD person who if I see, if I see it hanging out for too long, I'll start trying to pick it. Oh, and pick. that's the worst yes, thing, the picker. worst. So the faster I can get rid of it, the more likely I will not pick it, the better my healing will be, the more beautiful and luminous my skin will be. So that is my favorite thing this week. Um, okay, so mine is, I don't know if you guys saw on my Instagram, but my kids have been wearing these uh, sweatsuits that are tie-dyed and everybody's oh, into the whole tie-dye thing. They're so cute. They're, they're so, so cute. cute. And they were sent to me and then my husband um, separated the cards from the gifts, you know, separate. <laughs> Best to be really organized, but I'm like, then we don't know who gave this to us. And I did so much. Re- and I felt so bad because I was like, I love to be like, oh, thank you so much for X, Y, and Z. Um, and it was just, it was something that was so, so sweet. And the kids were so obsessed with it that I put it on my Instagram. And then my friends, uh, Mark and Sarah Jane Simon, they, uh, he called me and he was like, it was us. Um, but anyway, so guys, look at this. It's called Patched and Sewn. And um, it's so these really, really like nice, like yummy sweatpants and sweatshirts, like super, super cute. And on the leg, they have little patches that have their initials on it. And then on the chest, it has like some little patch that they like. And um, Mark and Sarah Jane know that my kids are obsessed with Star Wars. So they put like little Star Wars, little patches on there. And then Carmen got a rainbow. And so then I started connecting with the company once I found out who it was. And they're going to make me one, which I'm super excited about. Yes, absolutely. What, what patch did you decide on? I am going to do Rainbow Bright. My friend Casey Bader wrote to me. He's like, obviously, it has to be Rainbow Bright. And I'm like, okay, you know me so well. Child of the 80s. Loved Rainbow Bright growing up. Can you hear that my baby is pooping more right now? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> that, that milk just moving right through. It's been That's a day. Amazing. It's been a day of pooping. Oh, oh my. And on that note, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> and thank you, Danielle. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.